Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Logical Christian Podcast. I'm your Logical Christian, Dan Irwin. If you've joined me before, welcome back. If this is your first time here, welcome. At the Logical Christian Podcast, we look at what's going on in the world of current events, politics, science, and whatever the mainstream media feels is important to tell us, but rather than just accepting their spin and swallowing their narrative, we look at it logically, and we look at it as Christians. Links can be found in the show notes if you want to follow along. So with that, let's go be logical Christians. Well, resistance is futile these days. You may think you know what you think. Uh, you may think you know what you believe. You may think you know how things work. It turns out you're wrong. Don't worry, so am I. Now, this may sound scary, you know, not knowing. But luckily, we have snowflake-shaped bastions of truth eagerly and lovingly correcting us As long as we agree, otherwise the love goes out the window real quick-like. Today, we're going to learn what is definitely not A-OK, and then we'll get a unique glimpse into evolution in action as one of their own goes off the reservation. Wait wait a minute, I'm not supposed to say that. Anyway, and finally, we'll see how our overlords will help us to understand that despite what we think, resistance is indeed futile. You may want to take some notes and a handful of aspirin. Hey, here we go. Can we just stop? I used to say, if everything is racism, then nothing is racism. But apparently that's an obsolete saying at this point. The more accurate saying should be, if everything is white supremacy, then nothing is white supremacy. And I'd maintain that, by and large, very close to nothing is actually white supremacy. But not if you ask the general leftist goob in America. They're pretty sure that everything is white supremacy, whether they believe it or not, because they have to agree with the other leftist goobs who feel that they need to agree with the other leftist goobs. And to be honest, it's leftist goobs all the way down. Anyway, on ESPN.com, a site that used to not be very nearly dead to me, the headline, Nebraska Alters Mascot's Hand Gesture, to avoid ties to white supremacy. (sighs) Okay, first, let me make a little disclaimer since I don't shy away from true truth. White supremacy is in fact a real thing. There's a very, very small fringe, whack job, nutcase fraction of the population of the United States who truly believes that whites are better than other skin color shades. Why? Could be a whole bunch of reasons. One of those could be the teaching of evolution. I mean, this is what Charlie Darwin believed. I've covered that topic before. The bottom line is people who believe that a shade of skin is better than a different shade of skin are either very duped or very stupid or both and are by definition supremacists. And this can be any color versus any color. It's not just a whitey thing that makes supremacy. That said, maybe if the Bible was taught and taught correctly, it wouldn't remove all racist thoughts, but it would remove all excuses. Anyway, Nebraska apparently changed their mascot's hand gesture, not because it was flashing the white power sign, but because they were pressured by the scream at the sky, boycott crazy, angry at everything and everyone, super tolerant and loving liberals who lovingly suggest that you should lovingly change things because they tolerantly can't tolerate it because it's not loving, in their opinion, usually based off of a 
TikTok video, or in this case, a 4chan rumor. So what the Nebraska mascot is, well, not is, was doing was making the OK sign, you know, by making a circle with your thumb and first finger with the other three fingers sticking up and fanned out. The OK symbol. Well, but that's still not entirely true. He's got the circle part, but the other three fingers, they look like maybe they're arthritic. I'm not sure. They're kind of meaty, and they're just kind of half curled, not not really sticking up. But who cares? It's the intention behind what he's doing. Well, you know, let's be clear. So Herbie Husker, 50 years ago, was depicted with this OK symbol, well, sort of. Why? Um, don't care? Doesn't matter. But recently, the Associated Press was given a statement by the Nebraska Athletic Department, quote, The concern about the hand gesture was brought to our attention by our apparel provider and others, and we decided to move forward with a revised Herbie Husker logo. The process of changing the logo began in 2020, and we updated our brand guidelines in July of 2021. The revised logo is now the only Herbie Husker mark available to licensees. Ah, apparel provider and others. Okay. I'm really curious about this. I mean, did they get an activist apparel provider trying to run the show? Is that is that what happened? Did they get a couple nasty tweets? Or were they like just slammed day after day, all day, phones ringing off the hooks, angry people demanding that the college stop being so supremacist with their whiteness? I'm kind of guessing the activist apparel company and maybe a few whiners. But why is this innocent hand gesture that's been around for a long, long time suddenly a bad thing? Well, let's thank internet trolls, shall we? Per an Anti-Defamation League article, who themselves are off their nut in most things, they said that this started with a hoax in 2017 on the website 4chan. See, when you put your hand in the OK position, now, if you're going to do this, I need you to look around first to make sure you're not going to offend anyone, okay? Be careful. So if you put your hand in the okay position, the three fingers, the pinky to the middle finger, they make the W. The circle with the first finger and thumb is the round part of the P with your wrist and arm making the P stick. Wait, okay, sorry, that sounds wrong making the P line. There, much better. Thus, WP, which of course stands for white power. Now, it could have stood for, I don't know, whole peanuts or whipped potatoes or wild berry pop-tarts or maybe I'm just hungry, but look, you get the point, okay? So why did these hoaxers decide on white power? Well, because the time was right. Those looking for reasons to be racially angry were looking for anything to use to claim white supremacy, and they knew that the woke mob that only cares about being woke, regardless of how or for what reason they just want to be considered woke and they'll take anything to try to bring themselves relevance, they knew that the time was right for them. And bada bing, the okay symbol now means you're a white supremacist. So back to Herbie Husker. This guy has been racist for 50 years, and all we're doing is giving him a slap on the wrist? 
Change your hand symbol, Herbie. That's all we're doing. Shouldn't this guy be canceled? Shouldn't he be replaced? Shouldn't the entire University of Nebraska be wearing sackcloth and covering their heads in ashes? No, guess not. Just change your gesture. And that's what they did. Now, Herbie, rather than signaling all his racist mascot friends, is simply holding up the first finger in a number one type of symbol. It took it took two years to get this racist to curl his W fingers and unpee his thumb and wrap it around the now clenched W fingers and extend his first finger to the sky, but, but it's finally done. Finally, all of us non-racist, non-supremacists, and non-whites can sleep easy tonight. Problem solved. Or is it? Look, here's what I know. Herbie... Uh, last I looked, still white. Just forcing him to do something different didn't change his skin color. Hello? He's got that angry, non-white, hating scowl on his white face. And what's number one exactly? The school? The athletic department? The specific sport? Oh, I say nay. I believe that Herbie is just signaling the fact that white supremacy is number one in his book. Whites are number one. In fact, he's pointing to heaven, which clearly means only whites go to heaven. And here's something. I, if you have any children in the room, you may want to listen to this first. This is just eerie. If you turn his hand upside down, or the entire picture upside down, or leave the picture alone and you turn upside down. Look, just make sure that you're looking at his hand upside down, okay? The three curled fingers... Oh, they look like a W. The way the thumb is drawn is just a sharp P-circle, and the pointer finger is now nothing but a P-line. WP, watermelon pop. I mean, <clears throat> white power, white power. Look, I rest my case, Your Honor. And this brings me back to my initial question. Can we stop? Can we just stop? It took me literally two minutes to think of how racist this new symbol is. How long before the Nebraska Athletic Department starts hearing about the fact that they got a white boy as a mascot and that's racist? The problem stems from the fact that the world in general, but specifically the Western world, is almost entirely disconnected from reality. We are addicted to attention and outrage and incredulity. We have a deep inner desire to have purpose for our lives to have meaning, to fight in order to right injustice. And we've disconnected from the one thing that can help us understand the world and help us tame our passions and give us this sense of purpose and meaning and define true justice and true mercy. That is Christianity. In fact, the Bible is the only place you can find the answer to racism, the answer to supremacy, and the fortitude and grounding to stand against the ever-changing system of the world. The Bible tells us that we're all one race. It tells us to love God and hate sin. It tells us to love each other, even our enemies. It tells us to forgive more times than we can count. It tells us to leave vengeance to the Lord. It tells us to stand against the wiles of the devil. It tells us that God is our king, that Jesus is our savior, and the Holy Spirit is our guide, not the shifting focus and outrage flavor of the moment that the world believes will save them, if only they can right all the perceived injustices in the world. We are currently stuck 
in an ever-tightening loop of infinite regress, we'll never hit the right combination of woke to appease the woke mob because the target keeps moving. And in reality, it keeps multiplying. So what do we do? We focus on God. We get our noses in the Bible. We focus on what God says is important and then stand unmovable against the world. The same way that Ken Ham with Answers in Genesis is working hard to take back the rainbow, we can take back the OK symbol. Use it if you want. And be ready to look at those that want to call white supremacy and simply say, no, no, I will not accept your lies and hate. Be gone. Lock yourself into the truth, the true truth, as given in the Bible, and you won't find yourself being pushed around the woke game board. Well, just for fun, let's take a look at the topic that shall not be named. Travel with me for a moment down a purely hypothetical situation. I, a middle-aged white male, walk up to you on the street and say, I am a strong, black, 12-year-old girl. Now, you may say, let's get you somewhere padded. However, for what is an ever-increasing population of Wokies, they look me right in the eyes and say confidently, Little Miss, you are not black. That's right. Let's talk about personal identification. In an article entitled, and excuse the swear, Race is a Spectrum, Sex is Pretty Damn Binary, on aeromagazine.com, Richard Dawkins, no, 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 not the family feud guy, that's Dawson we're talking about, Dawkins, the British Oxford College professor, evolutionary biologist, author, intellectual, and some consider to be the top atheist of our time, talks about the backlash that he's been getting since he tweeted this controversial tweet, quote, in 2015, Rachel Dolezal, a white chapter president of the NAACP, was vilified for identifying as black. Some men choose to identify as women, and some women choose to identify as men. You will be vilified if you deny that they literally are what they identify as. Discuss. End quote. Now, I think most of us see the obvious issues in this tweet, per the accepted worldview handbook that's been handed to us through corporate media and social media, celebrities and politicians. One, Miss Dolezal was not black. And how dare she appropriate the black culture and sully it with her whiteness and white privilege. And two, people don't choose to be a gender other than that which has been thrust upon them against their will at birth. They just are something other than. Now, because of this blatant hate evident in the obvious transphobia and racism, Sir Richard Dawkins has had his 1996 Humanist of the Year Award from the American Humanist Association stripped from him in 2021, because of course he did. Dawkins goes on to say that asking thought-provoking, paradoxical, and even controversial questions, followed by the single word discuss, has been his modus operandi for quite some time. But he apparently went too far this time. He states that he wasn't even necessarily taking a side on either issue, he was just asking the question, prompting the discussion. In an interview, which turned quickly to the controversial tweet, he was asked to expand on what he meant. So he said the following, quote, Race is very much a spectrum. Most African Americans are mixed race, so there really is a spectrum. Somebody who looks white, may even call themselves black, may have a very slight African inheritance. People who have one great-grandparent who is Native American may call themselves Native American. Sex, on the other hand, is pretty damn binary. 
So on the face of it, it would seem easier for someone to identify as whatever race they choose. If you have one black parent and one white parent, you might think you could choose what to identify as. In this article, he goes on to explain that, quote, this point really is childishly obvious, end quote. He explains that in almost every case, yes, there are anomalies, when a male and a female procreate, stop the giggling, they literally create, wait for it, a male or a female. These are the times I, I kind of wish I had chosen a video platform so I could sketch out this diagram for you. <clears throat> He reveals additional deep secrets that when two people of different races procreate, stop it, they create a child of mixed race. I mean, this is gold, Jerry. Gold! He makes a really great point after this, I thought. Specifically speaking of African Americans, he points out that people like Meghan Markle and Barack Obama are clearly of mixed descent, although they're referred to or refer to themselves as black. They could just as easily consider themselves white as they are literally a mixture. In fact, the only reason that Rachel Dolezal, who is clearly white, wasn't called out for about a year as being white was because she claimed to be black, and the term black really refers to a wide array, or as Dawkins says, a spectrum of skin tones. This is as opposed to a person's sex, which you can generally look at someone and make the correct assumption. And if they're naked, it gets even easier. You can read the article for yourself. He goes into the work of Darwin and Sir Ronald Fisher and a number of other scientists and geneticists. I won't cover this here. Just take note of the fact, as it is important. But I want to point out one more thing he details. If one wants to change his or her sex, the process internally and externally is quite an undertaking, so much so that the woke culture, my words, has decided that anything from physical reconstruction to simply feelings will enable you to be identified as what you want to be. But race is much easier. Anyone can literally identify as any race they have in their lineage. Regardless of how dark your skin is, if there is a white person in your family tree, you can literally claim that you're white because at some percentage, you literally are and vice versa. So from a humanist standpoint, this is a very well-written, logical, compelling article. You can see why he's being hated on. Despite the fact that he, as an evolutionist, is my sworn enemy, I absolutely agree with his thinking on a conceptual basis. But in reality, he's actually had to disconnect himself from logic in order to make his logic-based points. Let me explain. The concepts we're discussing here are race or ethnicity, sex or gender, and evolution or creation. Unfortunately for Dawkins, the only way he can make the points he's making is to leave his stance in the world of random chance evolution and collapse entirely onto the laws of logic created by a higher power, a creator, God. In evolution, a theory of complete random chance, there is no room for logic. You may be able to establish groupthink in a population, but logic much like gravity or mathematics or truth, has only one valid mechanism. In order to have laws of logic, much like laws of physics, you must have a lawmaker, a lawgiver, and a law sustainer. If evolution were true, then anything we call a law today could theoretically be drastically different tomorrow or in a million years. 
we have no way of knowing and no foundation to base our claims on. Furthermore, Dawkins is correct that race, or, or more accurately, skin tone or ethnicity, can be a spectrum. Race is a false construct. Race has literally nothing to do with anything biological or geographical. It literally deals only with physical features. It's a social construct that, from what I could find, came into use somewhere early in the 17th century. If I say someone is of African race or Asian race or Anglo race, what I'm actually saying is that they have a certain skin tone, a certain eye shape, a certain nose shape, a certain head shape, and on and on. It's a term that classifies humans as cattle. The proper use of the term race with regards to humans is the human race. And that's all. There is no breakout groups of races. We all, speaking in generalities, have legs and arms and heads and eyes and ears, noses, mouths. In fact, we can all interbreed. Blood transfusions and organ donations aren't dependent on physical features or geographic ancestry. The problem is, evolution is a very racist religion. Yes, a religion. It splits hominids into human-like and ape-like, and it further splits humans into various groups that either went extinct or evolved to what we are today. And although evolutionists don't talk about this much today and, and generally deny this or decry this, the theory is massively racist as it splits the evolutionary tree of humans into branches with some still currently alive today not being evolved as far as others in terms of race. In the Bible, we're clearly told that at the beginning, God created man out of dust, then created woman out of man, and he created them male and female, and that's it. They were designed and generally looked like we do today. Coming from two beings, one created out of the other, there is literally only the human race, just the one. The fact that God created them with two distinct sexes or genders, male and female, dispels the thought that there may be hundreds of genders. That's nothing more than psychotic delusion. So where do the very distinct shades of skin and very distinct characteristics come from? Well, without knowing anything exactly, as the Bible doesn't give us a biological breakdown of the history of mankind, you'd have to logically assert a few things. One, Adam and Eve had all the possible genes for skin tones from very pale to nearly black in appearance and all human characteristics, possibly many of them we've never seen. Two, Noah's three sons, in combination with their wives, had all the genes for all skin tones and human characteristics that we see today, and possibly others. And three, the confusion and splitting of mankind into groups by language at the Tower of Babel, followed by the splitting off of these groups geographically, would have to be where people groups started to procreate very dominant genes and essentially breed out recessive genes, which gives us the clear distinctions in appearance that we find today. And yet, any combination of any skin tone or ethnic background can procreate, knock it off, and create children. One race, one species. This in itself is amazing, as looking in the animal kingdom, animals that look the same and essentially are the same, but have geographically isolated populations, cannot interbreed with other geographically isolated populations. Humans, however, still retain this capability. The design and the sustaining hand is simply amazing. So, 
Mr. Dawkins, you are correct. Race, or since I don't like that term, and we really need to stop using it, let's say physical characteristics, are on an infinite spectrum as it pertains to humans. But sex or gender, despite what you do, despite how you feel, as dictated by your chromosomes, which you can never alter, is literally binary. There are only two choices. I just wish that he would do real science and look at all the data, all possible hypotheses, and I pray that his eyes are open before it's too late so he can see the only plausible theory pertaining to race and gender. Furthermore, regardless of the programs, the money spent, the segregation, the desegregation, the re-education, the shaming, the depression and anxiety of those struggling with their gender, and the general hate-filled concept of racism, which really is nowhere near as rampant as the corporate media would have you believe, these will never be solved. The only solution to gender dysphoria and racism is to bring humanity back to the only source of true truth, God's Word. Only when we understand and educate others on the damage that the lie of evolution has wrought and the firm foundation of truth that's found in the Bible will we be able to see a man of a different color as brother and be able to truly help the teen that's struggling with his or her identity. Well, here we have another eerie article. As I've said before, this isn't the indicator that the rapture is right around the corner, but it's all working toward the end of time. And as with a few other articles, I can't kick every dog that's brought up here, but I'll give you enough to get an idea of what we're looking at, and you can take it from there if you so choose. An article on MSN.com, Moderna aims for COVID flu booster in 2023, but Fauci and other virus experts warn of challenges to come this year. Can we please stop with the full paragraph length headlines? Anyway, the World Economic Forum held their annual Davos Agenda meeting mid-January, albeit virtual because the elitists and power brokers didn't want to catch a cold, speaking on all things money, power, control of the world, as is their custom. You can look up their agenda, but bottom line, the attendees are generally considered the top of the top, people who have an interest in controlling the direction of the world. People like Klaus Schwab, Al Gore, John Kerry, a number of presidents and heads of countries, the CEO of Bank of America, and it was all kicked off with a keynote given by the president of China himself, Xi Jinping. And that should tell you something. To me, Obi-Wan comes to mind. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. These are the global control-minded folks that are pushing, eh, well, funding, well, demanding the Great Reset. The Great Reset is basically a system that will bring the entire globe into some sort of economic parity, but not by bringing the poorest countries up to meet the top. Oh, no, no, no. By bringing the rich countries down to meet the bottom. This is to be done through eliminating capitalism and promoting social justice and enacting various Green New Deals. In fact, you've all heard of Build Back Better. Well, Biden didn't coin that term or write any of his speeches or find his way through the White House by himself or probably stay up past four o'clock on most days and make any actual decisions or... <clears throat> sorry, sorry. No, Biden wasn't the one to coin this term. This was coined by the World Economic Forum, and a number of countries in the UN, the G7, etc. had the same initiatives. Now, once the globe is brought under control, it will be these elitists that will rule. They'll make the decisions and, you know, decide who lives and who dies. The basics. 
Okay, I'll let you dive in from there. On to the massively long headlined article regarding this new COVID flu booster coming soon uh, to a Costco or a library or a gas station or pretty much anywhere but your doctor's office near you. Of course, the COVID-19 pandemic hit center stage for the WEF this year, as I believe it did last year as well. So to that end, the CEO of Moderna got the spotlight for a bit, and and in a minute we'll talk about Fauci's experience and his appearance, uh, also from the same article. Let's start with Moderna. Stefan Bensel, the CEO in question, touted the expectation that his company will have this combo shot ready to go by autumn of 2023. As the article says, and listen carefully to the language used as words mean things, now quoting the article's author, quote, this would go some ways toward breaking down resistance among individuals to vaccines, end quote. And then quoting Bansell himself, quote, our goal is to be able to have a single annual booster so that we don't have compliance issues where people don't want to get two or three shots a winter, but to get one dose where they get a booster for corona and a booster for flu and RSV to make sure people get their vaccines. Um, excuse me? Breakdown resistance, compliance issues, Make sure people get their vaccines. I'm sorry, since since when did getting a flu vaccine become mandatory? When did freedom of choice or freedom of bodily autonomy turn into a compliance issue? And who exactly am I complying to? That phrasing should send chills down your spine. But remember, the World Economic Forum is all about power and control. If it were left up to them, you wouldn't have any freedom, except for the freedom they allow you to have when they allow you to have it, where they allow you to have it at. Of course, the Fauci Almighty was on the same panel, setting the world straight. You may think things are going fairly well right now. As a matter of fact, many experts have very high confidence that Omicron will be the variant that will lead to herd immunity and move COVID into an endemic phase. You know, another cold that we'll deal with forever. But the Minister of Lies says he'll only agree that this is endemic when it stops disrupting society, to which I'd have to say this reasoning would make Fauci the pandemic, as his guidance has been the biggest disruption in society we've ever seen. Maybe if governments and corporate media and Fauciists would shut up and go away for a bit, maybe people would move on with life, much like the majority of the country already has done. So this panel focused very heavily on misinformation, quotes around that, which by definition is anything other than the agreed-upon party line given to us because they've done the thinking for you, so you don't have to. Fauci, who time and time again has proven to be at complete odds with absolute top experts in their very specific fields, and who also has a track record of lying, said that there's misinformation that getting too many boosters could be harmful for your immune system. If you do it constantly, sure, but, quote, giving boosters at different times, there's no evidence that's gonna hinder it, end quote. Again, this is countered by even the likes of Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, or Robert Malone, the creator of the mRNA technology, and many other real experts. The author then clarifies for us, 
we, you know, the, the plebeians, need to understand that a, quote, good vaccine, end quote, may not prevent infection, but it'll keep most of you out of the hospital, and most of you will generally live, and most of you will have mild illness only. Want proof? Look at Omicron! Except that when you look at the old world map on the John Hopkins tracker, you see that South Africa, where Omicron started, which has about a 20% vaccination rate, had their highest peak of weekly cases with this variant and their lowest case of weekly deaths in the midst of a COVID spike with this variant. So the author and this panel of experts can try to take credit for this vax shortcutting Omicron, and trust me, they do and they will, but the facts don't bear that up. Of course, for most people, it doesn't matter as they've been absolutely brainwashed into thinking that even if they or a loved one dies from COVID, it would have been worse if they hadn't had the shots. No, I'm sorry. Webster's Dictionary and the CDC can change their definitions of vaccine if they want. But in general, when someone is told they're getting a vaccine for a disease, as we were all told, we fully expect to not get the disease. See smallpox or measles or polio. In fact, we were told directly and indirectly that if we got the shot, we couldn't get COVID. Therefore, we couldn't pass it on. We wouldn't die. We wouldn't get sick. We wouldn't have to wear masks. And the list goes on. And then the experts like Tall Tale Tony walk these claims back and back and back because it was very obvious that their vaccine was and is failing badly. It's neither safe nor effective. But then Fauci was asked by the moderator why the U.S. can't contain COVID. We're uber wealthy. What's the problem? Because, you know, money can do everything. And this is where the great and powerful Fauci dives straight into his leftist overlord's key talking points. First, the healthcare system is broken. We apparently live in a country where there are hospital deserts, especially for those cognitively challenged minorities who just can't seem to find a place to give them health care. Oh, those poor, silly, stupid, non-white people. I mean, can you see how racist of a statement that is that he made? No, this is not correct. I know that if you look up the best healthcare systems in the world, the U.S. always ranks fairly low, which should kind of surprise you since we're one of the top countries that the rich and the powerful from other countries come to for health care. If you look at these lists, most of the top countries are socialist-based to some degree, large or small. Our system has its problems, but I don't think it's very hard to point back to the government as the creator of a lot of these problems. But let's be honest, we have the doctors, the nurses, and other healthcare professionals that are tops in the world. We have facilities and equipment that's tops in the world. And we literally have a system that allows anyone to get health care. Well... I mean, now in some cases you'll be denied if you're not vaxxed and also a legal citizen. <clears throat> but uh, for all emergencies, anyone can get health cares, as well as a wide variety of programs and charities that will help pay for procedures for those that can't afford it. No, it's, it's not a perfect system. Yes, it could be made much better, especially if the government would get their slimy fingers out of it. But we have a fantastic health care system, yeah, at least for now. And the other main problem is you. Well, maybe not you, but definitely me, uh, pushing back against, quote, regular, normal, easy-to-understand health measures, end quote, you know, like wearing masks and getting your vaccination like a good boy or girl, and, quote, do public health measures, end quote. 
Basically, if we just do as we were told, as a collective, problem solved. Except that, again, no, that's not correct. The population is massively vaxxed, with about 75% of the eligible population in the United States having one shot, and about 63% having their second shot, and of course with a subset now of those already having received a booster. The first booster of so very, very many boosters yet to come. As for other health measures... We all generally gave 15 days to flatten the curve without too much griping. Most wore masks. Many still do. Most locked down. Some still do. Businesses closed. Lives were ruined. All in the sake of pulling together. But when weeks turned into years, enough is enough. The measures didn't work. They can never work. And no expert ever expected a mask where the virus can line up and dance the river dance across one of the openings in the mesh to stop a virus, or for a piece of plexiglass to stop the virus, or masking when standing versus unmasking when sitting to ever stop a virus. So why are they still pushing the narrative? Well, for various reasons. They just can't let this pandemic die. I'm sure the World Economic Forum sees this as a way to maintain control, push global solutions and global equity, and redistribute wealth. And with the introduction of Omicron, as well as a few other recent events and occurrences, they see it slipping away. Moderna, of course, sees dollar signs. A lot of dollar signs. Everyone get your vaccine like a good little boy or girl or you won't get a lolly. And Fauci, his grace, his lordship, his eminence, he has the grandest need for this pandemic to continue of them all. His God complex needs this disease so he can continue to be the cure. His stating that he is science twice, knowing that to him science is the ultimate, that there is no God, that's tantamount to claiming that he is in fact God in the flesh. This is who he believes himself to be. But unfortunately for Tony, that position is already filled. And that's the problem for Fauci, Moderna, and the elite, and the World Economic Forum. They're not God. This stuff is frustrating and angering and terrifying to no end. If you're not someone that regularly keeps up with the news, especially with anything deeper than the surface tripe that the majority of the population is fed on a daily basis, I understand. Personally, I feel it's important to know what's going on at a deeper level, but I get it. Trust me, I I get it. That being said, although I believe we should know what's going on and I believe that we should be involved to whatever degree we're able to fight for freedom and liberty, to expose the lies, to walk in and proclaim the truth, I think we also need to be aware that the world is breaking down. Man is becoming more and more corrupt, and eventually all of this comes to an end. Now, if you're a Christian, that's actually a cause for rejoicing. Even in the midst of the human struggle for good and right, we can rest in the fact that we have an all-sovereign God who holds everything in the palm of his hand, who knows the end from the beginning, and who will never be dethroned, no matter how loud the elitists, the specks of dust, yell and scream. And let me say this, and I'm speaking to me as well, we should be praying for these men and women that are literally planning and perpetrating evil at this very moment. We should not pray blessings on them, but we should pray for revelation of guilt 
and shame as to who they truly are in the eyes of a completely holy God, we should pray for their repentance and complete yielding to the authority and lordship of the one true God. But if that's not what God has for them, then we can, in clear conscience, pray that they are removed from a place of influence and power in whatever means and ways God chooses. So my advice to you and to me, if you're a Christian, know what's going on in your world, know what's going on in the world, fight for what's right in your sphere of influence on this planet, but rest in God. Pray for the salvation of those lost men and women or the removal of them as God deems fit. If you're not a Christian, my advice to you is to seek out a solid pastor and a church. Learn about God, the only God. Learn about Jesus. Then fall on your face before your Creator. Repent and believe. And then join the rest of us in our work and in our rest. And with that, we've reached the end of this episode of the Logical Christian Podcast. If you've made it this far, the odds are you liked what you heard. I'd greatly appreciate a like, a comment, and a review if you're so inclined. As you likely already know, it all helps with the algorithms. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified whenever a new episode drops. And finally, if you found this podcast useful or entertaining, share it with your friends, your enemies, your in-laws, your outlaws. If you want to reach me, you can do so at lcpodcast at outlook.com or increasingly I'll be using at lcpodcast on Getter. Lawrence J. Peter said, Against logic, there is no armor like ignorance. But Jesus told us that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So stay in the word, stay logical, stay faithful, and until next time, God bless.